Chapter 4. Horse Trap After making a mess of flapjacks for breakfast, Hatsy explained the plan he had worked out. They would go upstream looking for a place to build a trap. A horse trap to catch Pete's Mustang. First, they would need a box canyon, and Hatsy remembered there was one somewhere up Lost Creek. It was not a big box canyon, just a small flat place with rocks rising up on three sides too steeply for a horse to climb. A barred gate on the fourth side would make it into an enclosure as good as a corral. The main job was going to be to get the horse into this corral after they had made the gate, and Hatsy said he had a plan for that too. With Pete riding Raindrop and Hatsy on Polka Dot, they picked their way up to the canyon above. The going was slow, and they kept well away from the bank of the creek wherever they could, pushing through the alders and pines and chokecherry bushes. It wasn't more than a half an hour, though, before they came to a place where the slope down to the creek was gentle. There, in the muddy bank, they saw large hoof prints of the sand dune mustangs. Good, Hatsy said. This country's looking familiar to me now. I'm glad, I'm sure you'll find that box canyon up ahead not too far. You go on by yourself and locate it. I got things to do at the camp. After you make sure the canyon's there, come on back. You can't get lost if you just follow the creek downhill and keep the dunes on your left. Meet you at the camp when the sun's up straight. Pete was excited. He was on his own in strange mountain country, and he was getting ready to catch a horse of his own. He rode on slowly up the noisy, rushing creek. Still, there was no big outcroppings of rock, no side canyons that answered Hatsy's description. He glanced at the sun. It was high now, and Hatsy would have the chuck ready. Pete was hungry, but he was determined not to turn back until he found what he was looking for. At last, he rode up out of the canyon bottom on the north side, where the going seemed a bit clearer. As he topped a slight ridge, he saw ahead on the other side of the creek a large rock formation. He studied it intently as he rode closer. Then, when he came directly opposite it, he was sure it was the box canyon. Turning raindrop, he worked downhill to the creek, splashed across and up onto the other bank. The place fitted Hatsy's description exactly. Pete rode once around the inside of the secluded spot and saw that bars could easily be placed across the narrow opening, making it into a corral. But he still couldn't figure out how horses could be guided into it, especially wild mustangs that would be almost certain not to even notice it if they were in flight. Now Pete doubled back towards the camp, keeping high on the south side of the creek. From time to time he stopped and looked at the shimmering mountain of sand which he could see ahead of him and off to his left. A wind played along the ridges, raising little plumes of sand and then letting them drop. As far as he could see, there was sand on that side. On his right was the mountain, rising endlessly. This was the loneliest place he had ever been in. He was glad enough to get back to camp at last when Hatsy had been keeping his chuck ready for him in the Dutch oven. As he rode into the clearing, he couldn't quite believe what he saw. There sat Hatsy, cross-legged on the ground, tearing an old red and white tablecloth into strips and stuffing the pieces into a bulging gunny sack. "'What are you doing?' Pete exclaimed. "'Making a pillow for that horse we're going to catch. "'You want him to be nice and comfy, don't you?' the old man said with a chortle. "'Where you been all this time?' "'Prospecting for uranium,' Pete said. Hatsy laughed. "'Okay, we're even.' Did you find that box canyon? Yep, 
Pete said. It's a little further away than you thought, but it's there all right, and it's a beaut. As Pete ate his corned beef hash, Hatsy kept right on tearing up rags. Pete decided he could keep from asking questions just as long as Hatsy could keep from answering. For a long time, neither of them said a word. Pete could hardly keep from laughing. At last, he got up and went and sat down next to Hatsy, and without a word, started tearing up an old apron from the pile of rags. In an hour, the rags were all torn into strips. Pete, with a straight face, got up and reached into the wagon. He pulled out Hatsy's spare shirt and sat down again. As Hatsy looked up, Pete pretended he was going to tear the shirt. Hey, you Chicago gangster! Taking the shirt off my back! I give up! Now Hatsy explained what the rags were for, and the huge balls of string which Aunt Clara had given them too. These were the makings of the horse trap. The string, attached to trees and shrubs, would be stretched out from either side of the box canyon in the shape of an enormous funnel. The rags would be hung from the string at intervals. Hatsy swore that the rags waving in the wind would make just as good a fence as barbed wire or the heavy posts around a horse-breaking corral. The horses, seeing the bright moving rags, would be too frightened to approach, let alone break through the one strand of string. But before we build the string fence, Hatsy said, we've got to put a gate in the box canyon. You get the point, don't you? We'll drive a bunch of them horses into the mouth of the string funnel. We'll stay behind them and keep hazing them toward the box canyon, where the little end of the funnel is. When they get into the box, we just shut the gate quick and there we are. You honestly mean that the two of us in a string fence can trap a bunch of horses as easy as that? Pete said in amazement. I sure do, Hatsy replied. It's an old trick that's been used in a rough country ever since horses was invented. What's more, you're going to do all the hazing yourself. As a general thing, it takes a bigger crew to round up Mustangs this way, and they make fancier gates than we're going to have. I'll have to stay right there at the box canyon all the time, so as to be on the spot so to close the gate when you get on them horses in the box. It'll be your job to keep them traveling up the funnel. It'll be kind of hard, but I think you can do it. Pete still couldn't quite believe that such a simple stunt would work, but he was willing to try anything. All the next day while they were building the gate, he got more and more excited about the idea. He was pleased, too, when Hatsy commented that he handled an axe pretty well for a city slicker. With Pete chopping down sturdy evergreen trees for the gate and Hatsy lashing them in place with rawhide thongs, they soon had a rough set of bars constructed. When the long poles were pulled back, the gate would be open, but a few quick movements could push the poles across the opening into rests, and the poles would make a solid fence through which no horse could break. A thick bush stood at one side of the gate. Behind it, Hatsy could hide while the horses were approaching so as not to frighten them back. Once they were inside, he could push the bars in place, closing the final trap on them. Here's your corral, Hatsy announced when the gate was finished. Now you want to clear away the brush around the inside. You want a clear space to work in while you're gentling your horse. But don't cut down that pinyon tree there in the middle. Just trim the branches off and leave about four feet of that trunk standing. That's going to be your snubbing post. Pete knew what the snubbing post was for. He'd seen Slim use one at the ranch when he was roping a bronc. 
Slim would turn the rope around the post once and the friction of the rope on the post helped him hold even the most cantankerous horse. Working fast, Pete cleared the brush and pinion limbs. Then he flopped down flat on his back on the grass inside the corral. He was tired. His hands were sore because he wasn't used to swinging an axe. But he had never been more pleased with anything in his life. Only one thing concerned him a little. Was he sneaking back here into the mountains to do some bronc busting, which he knew very well his Uncle Lem didn't want him to do? At last, he confessed to Hatsy what was on his mind. You don't need to worry, son, the old man said. You're not going to fork any bronc that's in a busting frame of mind. You're going to gentle your horse different from the way Slim and most other peelers work. And you'll have a better horse and more skin left on you when you're done. You just wait and see. You're not going to do anything that would cool your uncle's hair. Just then they heard a crashing in the brush further up the creek. In a moment, a horse came into view. It was Bridger with Moore in the saddle. Before Peter Hatsy could say howdy, Moore shouted angrily at them. So it's you! I wondered who had been making all the racket down here. You know I came out here to rest. What are you doing here anyway? That question could go two ways, Hatsy replied. But I'll tell you how it is. Me and Pete are fixing to start a racquetball ranch. A what? If you haven't seen any racquetballs yet, it's because you haven't gone high enough up on Crestone needles. Moore looked baffled, and Pete felt that way too. Neither one said anything for a while. Well, all I've got to say is, I want to be left alone. Catch your... Whatever it is, someplace else. I've got to have peace and quiet. Moore turned Bridger and rode back in the direction from which he had come. Friendly cuss, isn't he? Hatsy said. Hope he meets a racquetball someday. What in the blue blazes is a racquetball? Pete asked. Hatsy, keeping a perfectly straight face, told him that it was a mountain varmint with short legs on the left side, shorter than the legs on the right. This made it easy for it to walk along the side of a mountain. Eating as they went, racquetballs moved round and round a peak, always going in the same direction, always climbing higher. When they got to the top of the peak, they couldn't go any further, so all you had to do was to catch them was chase them to the top. Only one thing worries me, Pete said. We have the wrong kind of corral for racquetballs. The ground is level. Will we have to make little stilts for their left legs? Yeah. Or we could dig holes for them to rest their right feet in, Hatsy said. You know what a racquetball says about this time every day? It just balls out. Chuck, chuck, chuck! Let's go. We gotta get our beauty rest so we can put up that string fence tomorrow. Pete grinned and went to saddle the horses.